He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sing it, Mickey. Sing it. 79 years old. Looks like prune face from the old Dick Tracy series. But we're not talking about Mick Jagger. Although this song really leads us right into the lunch hour edition here at WABC. Featuring yours truly, Curtis Lee, well, Monday through Fridays. From 12.15 to 1 after the Bill O'Reilly update. He gives you 15 minutes. I give you 45 minutes. It's a rip and read and commentary, and hopefully it doesn't give you heartburn, agita, and you don't have to reach for the Roger Starbuck R-O-L-A-I-D-S Rolex. So let's get right down to it. Here in New York City, even though the monkeypox website put up by the New York City Health Commissioner Ashwin Vassan has crashed three times, he feels the biggest problem in the expansion of monkeypox is the fact of the name. And he has taken time to alert us, he, along with other health care uh, commissioners around the United States, that they have petitioned the World Health Organization, who? No, no, not the Rock Group, uh, not Roger Daltrey, not Peter Townsend, but the World Health Organization to change the name of monkeypox because it could bring back stigmas in both the black and the LGBTQ plus community, by the way, Lou, did I include all the acronyms there? Because uh, the last time I looked uh, during Gay Pride Month, there were about 39, 39 different letters that included the plus to LGBTQ. Well, anyway, let's put that aside. They should change the name. It's not from monkeys. They need to leave it alone and figure out where this is coming from. That came about 1958. That's when people first started calling it monkeypox. It was ne- never really a severe problem as it is now, expanding into 70 countries, 16,000 who have been diagnosed with it, probably more uh, who are carrying it who don't yet quite know. So it is expanding el rapido. But world health care officials and our own New York City health commissioner, who is uh, just a dollar short and a day late on everything, he is just miserable, feel that it's the name. And not sort of getting the vaccines out there to limit the kind of health damage it can do to individuals. It's not going to kill anybody, but it's going to make their life miserable. And by the way, for all of you who are baby boomers who grew up with the concept of the monkeys, You know, 1966, it was like Spinal Tap. It was a group thrown together in Los Angeles. And by 1967, the Monkees, that's right, the Monkees, who had a Saturday morning TV series, Davy Jones, Michael Nesmith, Peter Tork, unfortunately, they've all passed it hereafter. The only surviving one, the drummer Mickey Dolenz. Did anyone think that having the name the Monkees stigmatized that group? Uh, I don't remember black people following the Monkees. In fact... I remember specifically at the Forest Hills uh, uh, tennis uh, location, which used to be uh, the house of the U.S. Open for tennis, that 
It was a brand new guy who was coming in from Seattle, Jimi Hendrix, who was the opening act for the Monkees. Black guy, right? Jimi Hendrix says, black as any black person has ever been. And he got booted off the stage. Maybe this is what this is about, because everybody was there to see the Monkees. Davy Jones, Michael Nesmith, Peter Talk, Michael Dolenz. In fact, even John Lennon himself said that he loved the Monkees and he was a Monkey fan. But... You would think the far more serious problem is if 99% of the people uh, who have gotten monkeypox are gay or bisexual, well, then it should be the instructions about what to do to limit the damage and the spread since it is pretty specific to one part of our community. So the World Health Organization has said for men who have sex with men, this includes for the moment reducing your number of sexual partners, reconsidering considering sex with new partners, yeah, I I would think so. Like, you really wouldn't want to be having uh, a lot of sex at this particular time, especially with people you don't even know. And exchanging contact details with any new partners to enable follow-up if needed. So if all of a sudden you were in a rendezvous, uh, hey, uh, are you plus monkeypox? Are you not plus monkeypox? Look, just, just, just stop having Sex with strangers is this point until people are fully vaccinated, right? That's what the who should be saying. You know what the New York City Health Department says? We're out of its headquarters in Chelsea. It says that if you're going to have sex, and they're not even discouraging gays and bisexuals from having sex at this point, they say you should do it fully clothed. I kid you not. These are their recommendations. You should have sex fully clothed and to be even safer. If you are two males who happen to be uh, homosexual or bisexual, stand apart from one another, socially distance uh, at a a six-foot distance, and then manually pleasurize yourself as you watch one another. This is crazy. So the number one issue is to change the name monkeypox because of the stigma that it carries. It's been called monkeypox since 1958. This is nuts. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, anything to distract, anything to digress, anything to get away from what the real problems are. Let me point out that it is not just limited to monkeypox. There is the Chinese beetle. That's right, the Asian beetle, which has been doing massive damage throughout, especially the northwest sector of the country where there are so many trees in Northern California and has spread around the country. They want that name changed from the Asian beetle because they claim that if you call it the Asian beetle, it will lead to an increase in attacks against Asian people since obviously uh, attacks against Asian people are on the rise. Now, do you think any emotionally disturbed person out there, because that's mostly who's doing it, are saying to themselves, oh, I just heard a report that the Asian uh, beetles that came over from China have extracted a lot of damage on our timber industry in Washington State, in Oregon, and in Northern California, and it's now spreading uh, east in the United States. Again, that is absolutely nuts. Now, on another another note here, I don't know if any of you realize that it is uh, National Moth Week. National Moth Week. All of you, especially baby boomers who were brought up, you remember opening up the closets or going into your basement or your attic or the treasure chest where some of the uh, heirlooms and your apparel 
uh, was being stored and almost being asphyxiated from the many mothballs that your mom or dad or aunts and uncles or grandparents put out there to preserve the clothing from the dreaded moths. Because if the moths got inside, they would procreate and populate, and then all of a sudden you would reach for a desired uh, set of apparel. It could be a suit, it could be a dress, it could be something uh, that was an heirloom. And you would see that the moths had eaten through it. So people were told, oh, my God, if you spot one moth, you got to sort of vacate the house. you got to release the bombs. you got to put out the mothballs. And I'm telling you, uh, people were probably <laughs> not only asphyxiated, but suffered some chemical damage to their brains. Man, that is a strong mothball smell. Well, anyway, there are moths all over the place, but especially in New Jersey, you have to narc out. You have to narc out the moths because apparently they are Asian moths. They have been spotted everywhere. And if you see something, say something. So, Lou, uh, I am deputizing you. You know, you never knocked anybody out when you were in junior high school and high school and you knew they were dealing nickel and dime bags because you didn't want to be you didn't want to be labeled a junior narc. You got to knock out these Chinese, these Chinese moths. And in fact, the recommendations are if you see the Chinese moth, squish it, kill it right away before it can procreate and cause enormous amounts of damages to what? To mostly trees and to vegetation. And we have been told by the Department of Sanitation here that there is a problem with rats. Oh, really? You've just noticed that. There are more rats now than ever before. And I'm not talking about the two-legged rats who became um, uh, who became uh, cooperating witnesses and ratted out members of organized crime and ate the Parmesan cheese, like Sammy the Bull Gravano, who ratted out John Gotti Sr. I'm not talking about those rats. I'm talking about the four-legged rats. All you got to do is walk around the streets of New York City, especially in congested areas, and the rats are out there doing the horror, the tarantella, they're doing the crypt dance. They do it during the day. They do it during the night. They're out there on the subway platforms. I had to warn a guy the other day. He was sitting down. He was listening to his music on his earbuds. I said, hey, buddy, look behind you. There were four rats dancing. They probably picked up his music because the rat's ability to hear is ten times greater than human beings. So to the rescue is the Department of Sanitation. They say that the answer to dealing with the growing rat problem, the estimate that there is eight rats for every one citizen in New York City, uh, with illegal aliens, our population is about nine million. Nine million. So do do the mathematics, all right? I wasn't too good in math. I mean, we're talking uh, probably a little less than a hundred million rats, and their methods of eliminating the rat population is just not working. These pesticides, they shoot them into the ground, they put out the rat traps, and so the new generation of rats just becomes that much more immune and becomes super rats. So they keep knocking themselves out trying to figure out the remedy. So now what they're telling everybody in New York City is put your uh, bags of refuse out at 8 o'clock at night, your cans of garbage, because before you were putting them out at 4, and that gave an additional four hours for the rats to have a feast. I don't know who's running the sanitation department. Oh, that's right. It's a woman who never lifted a can of garbage before, who has no idea what's going on. I think her name is Tish. You know, I think she is from the Tish family. Please, have Jeeves pick up that garbage and that trash. 
Anyway, hey, Stubido's there. Rats are nocturnal. They come out when it's dark outside. <laughs> Do you walk the streets and you see the rats? And you see that they're feasting on all the garbage that's put outside of those uh, those Quonset huts that now serve as part of the extension of a restaurant out in the street. And that garbage is never taken away by either the private carters or the sanitation department itself. The best remedy, again, I have to tell you, are feral cats. If a rat is carrying a litter, of which they do many times a year, a female rat, just the smell of a cat will cause them to abort their litter. And I hope some of you pro-life people out there don't mind when a rat aborts its litter out of fear, fright, and hysteria because they're just going to get pregnant again. But the cat, the feral cat, keeps the rodent population down. The rat, the mice, the rodent population down. But unfortunately... And it's a university of uh, great renown, the Polish Academy of Sciences. I kid you not. It's called the Polish Academy of Sciences. They have confirmed that your cat, whether it's a domestic cat or a feral cat, outdoor cat, is an invasive alien species, is a troublemaker. And they have said the problem is, is that cats will go out and kill a lot of birds. Well, excuse me, uh, that's exactly how they exist. They're predators. But if you want to eliminate the rats, the mice, the rodents, you better put out the feral cats and conduct cat colonies. That's what Chicago does now, which used to be the rat capital of the United States. Guess which is the rat capital? New York City. And now they actually have put out feral cat colonies because they realize the pesticides have just not done the trick. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going round and round here as we see that there are a number of issues that affect all of you that have to do with animals, whether they happen to be your furry best friends or your family members or they're outdoor animals. And let's not forget, Lou, you better batten down the hatch out in the Rockaways because especially in Queens and Staten Island, have you seen the black helicopters? No, it's not uh, alcohol and tobacco firearm agents who are repelling down the ropes in the wee hours of the morning. They're coming over your rooftops and they're spritzing the DEET, the D-E-E-T. Not the DDT that we grew up with. We used to inhale the DDT. It used to knock out all the, the critters, the mosquitoes. It was great. They used to bomb the Panama Canal and it would kill all the mosquitoes. But then they said DDT is a poison. Oh, of course it's a poison. It's meant to kill the mosquitoes. But now they have all new fancy names of uh chemicals that they claim are not harmful to humans. So that's why I hunker down, because for the next month, you're going to hear the sound of the whirling helicopters in the wee hours of the morning as they flush out of the bowels of their helicopter the D-E-E-T that are supposed to be eliminating those critters, the mosquitoes. I guarantee you, they'll be back. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. I'm from East New York. What? I'm from what? East New York. I'm from East New York. What? We're the guns what? to the talk. We're the guns to the talk. We're the guns to the talk. East New York, Brooklyn. Yeah, you from East New York out there where the guns talk. This is a degenerate hip-hop group that was actually comprised of uh, thugs, members of the blood, 
members of the Crips put their differences aside. They came together from the Cypress Hills projects, from uh, uh, the uh, Boulevard projects, from the Pink Houses, a.k.a. the Stink Houses. And they did this rap song that went nowhere, but it went viral amongst uh, the drug uh, boys and the uh, stick-up kids because they're proud. Hey, East New York, number one in crime. And guess what? According to the New York Post and according to me, I've been telling you this for a long, long time. The killing fields of East New York that used to exist uh, before Rudy Giuliani became mayor, thank God, you citizens, put them over the top ever so slightly, especially the additional voters in Staten Island uh, who were voting on secession and the push by Guy Molinari because he eliminated that. The killing fields of East New York back then in 1992 It was in the 75th precinct, the hottest, most active precinct in the city. And it happens to be the largest in terms of land, land mass. Covers East New York, covers Cypress Hills, goes from like the conduit that separates it from Lindenwood, Ozone Park, Howard Beach, all the way up to Atlantic Avenue. A lot of territory covered there. A lot of stick-up kids, a lot of gangs, a lot of drive-bys. And if you're hanging outside of a bodega playing dominoes and drinking Bacardi 150, you may be taking your life in your hands. So I would suggest, again, that the um, police actually uh, broadcast in the squad cars that are going around the streets of East New York, a place I know well, spent a lot of time at Cleveland and New Lots, the end of the number three train, and uh, actually announced CBG, that's the new acronym for the police, Citizens Be Good. Don't shoot at the police. Don't beat up the police. Respect the police because there's no respect in the streets of East New York. Let me tell you straight up. It is the hottest precinct in the city in an ever-growing crime rate. The question is, uh, where has been the police commissioner, Sewell? You think she's been to the 75th precinct? You think she's touring the areas? She's missing in action. And certainly the swagger man, Eric Adams, he has no plan to deal with the 75th precinct or any of the precincts in the city of New York because crime keeps escalating. In fact, who was it that was on last night with John Katzenmatidis and his roundtable discussion right here on WABC at 5 o'clock? Police Commissioner Bill Bratton, who actually served here three times. He was the transit police commissioner at the end of the Dingens administration. Then he became Rudy Giuliani's first police commissioner in 1993. And then Bill de Blasio got him on board as an insurance policy to get elected because people said, oh, I mean, come on. De Blasio, when it comes to crime, well, I'm going to have my police commissioner, Bill Bratton. So that was the third time. Third time was the charm. And this is what he had to say about the rising crime problem in New York City and the, uh, the new mayor, Eric Adams. The mayor is trying, talks a lot, but uh, doesn't seem to be having any effect on the people who really are going to uh, have to make the changes, and that's uh, Albany legislators, uh, governor, and the city council. They have created this mess. They seem to have turned a blind eye toward, toward it. The irony of it is the people most affected by it is their constituency. So many of these laws would change to try and protect the minority population in the city and the state, black and brown. But if you look at the the principal victims of the crime in this city, 
in the state, and who's committing it, it's black and brown. So in terms of, uh, I just scratch my head at what are they thinking? What the hell were they thinking? And uh, it's going to take more than just words from the mayor. He's going to have to start uh, acting more forcefully. Yeah. Hey, Eric Adams, it's time to act more forcefully. (laughs) So he's got that short or that left, right? He's got no plan. Come on. Crime is worse now than it was at any time in the eight years of Bill de Blasio, who did nothing about the growing crime rate. Eric Adams is de Blasio 2.0, who just happens to wear $5,000 customized suits each day. Anyway, let's go to a place that normally didn't have crime other than years ago when the Colombo crime family were having their internal wars. And it was a gang that couldn't shoot straight, according to the book by Jimmy Breslin. And he was right. Dyker Heights. Dyker Heights is not used to a lot of crime now. But all of a sudden, if you notice yesterday, some guy named Phil Guarino was a cadaver in formaldehyde. He was wheeled into a driveway at 72nd Street near Fort Hamilton Parkway and just dumped. Just dumped in the driveway. This at 1140 in the morning, Tuesday. And there was a yellow bag over his head. And the people in Dyker Heights are freaking out. I'm going to be in Bay Ridge later on for the uh, wake of the former Conservative Party state chairman of New York, Michael Long, who used to have a package store. Boy, that shows you how... Uh, That terminology uh, dates us, uh, a liquor store, but a real political power and a real uh, civic activist there in Bay Ridge. But right next door is Dyker Heights. I'm going to be asking the people in Dyker Heights, hey, this guy just got wheeled over and dumped in a driveway with a yellow bag over his head at 1140. Not at night, not at 340 in the morning when people were sleeping, but at 1140 in the a.m. right before lunch hour. Crime, out of control. Meantime, as you know, there was a tag team. It was like uh, Bruno Sammartino, that uh, is obviously Rudy Giuliani, and Arnold Scolden, remember, from White Plains, New York. uh, That was the tag team of the century in the old WWF of Vince McMahon Sr. And the newest tag team is Rudy Giuliani, Mike Kumbadichich, and yours truly because we use the 50,000 powerful watts of sound on our programs to go after and catch individuals who have committed the worst, most heinous crimes. And we started talking to you all about a crime that occurred on July 9th. You remember three African-American females who assaulted a white grandmother on the Q53 bus along Woodhaven Boulevard going towards the Rockaways. They assaulted her over and over. They spit at her. They said, I hate white people. And I hate white people's skin. I'm going to kill you. You see that cemetery over there, St. John's? By the time we're through with you, we're going to bury you in there. They took their shopping bags. They hit her over and over again. And why? Because they asked her one question. I said, ah, I bet you like Donald Trump. And she said, oh, I love Donald Trump. It's a grandmother with six biracial grandchildren who still works behind the counter at a local gin mill. And they beat her almost to death. She had to be taken to Jamaica Hospital. None of the passengers jumped in. The bus driver didn't jump in. And then remember, both Rudy and I, as a tag team, said, hey, look, there's three pictures of these jackals, these hyenas, these predators. Well, finally, they arrested one 
Because where was she from, believe it or not, not the five boroughs. She was from Syracuse, New York. Syracuse, New York. And they arrested her uh, cohort in this crime. The other one is still on the lam. So, Lou, what do you think happened? This woman uh, who from Syracuse was caught as one of the three who beat the living daylights out of this uh, white grandmother because she was a Trump supporter. Uh, the judge who uh, proceeded over the arraignment ordered the defendant to return to court on July 29th. July 20th. Released on her own recognizance. Hate crime, right? Attack against a Trump supporter, white grandmother, three black teenage thuggets. And, and, you know, if Rudy and I hadn't keep banging the gavel on the 50,000 powerful watts of sound, nothing would have been done. Nothing. Meantime, let's take you to the very uh, upscale Upper East Side where people continue to flee and join the exodus either out to the Hamptons or to move down to Florida. This crime was committed on June 11th. How long ago? That's like a lifetime ago. A guy is walking down an Upper East Side street, tackles and sexually assaults a stranger, a woman. They have the video. They're releasing the video now. It occurred on June 11th. Let me give you the description. Because for some reason, the NYPD, whenever they give descriptions, always seem to um, avoid telling you the color of the suspect. Here, police describe the suspect as a short man with a medium build and black hair. He was last seen carrying a dark-colored backpack and wearing a white long-sleeved T-shirt with designs on the front, light-colored blue jeans and sneakers. They describe everything about the guy. So I used my sources at the 19th precinct. We're not going to get them into double trouble. And I said, who's this guy you're looking for? You you don't even mention his color. He's a white guy. So if he were white or black or Hispanic or Asian or olive skin, whatever you want, they never, ever, ever include the description of the people that are being sought. How crazy is that? I would have bet the over-under point spread 80% of those who get collared for crimes in the city happen to be African-American or black, uh, I would have said, oh, probably a black guy, right? I would have been wrong. It's a white suspect. Put the freaking description of the person's color. What is so difficult about that? Is that going to offend somebody if it happens to be black or Hispanic or Asian or white? Who cares if it offends somebody? Let's catch the people responsible. And... If you're thinking of fleeing to Mexico City, believe it or not, there are many, many Americans, especially from the Southwest, from Arizona, New Mexico, from California, from Oregon and Washington and Nevada, who are actually leaving to move to Mexico City. And you would say, how crazy is that? You know, you got the narco uh, cartels. You got rampant crime. You go to an ATM machine. They're always kidnapping people. And holding them for ransom until enough pesos are sent to their particular bank account or you'll never see that person again. Well, apparently Americans are flooding into Mexico City because it's a much cheaper form of living for them than it is in the United States. That's true. And they might have freelance work or consulting work or business work. So it's cheaper to get business space, cheaper in terms of living, cheaper to survive. 
And now the Mexicans are saying, wait a second, it's not cheap for us. We got all these gringos, all these Americans coming in here, living like kings and queens. Listen to what the headline of the newspaper in Mexico City. How do I know this? I have guardian angels in Mexico City. You're a effing plague. Go back to America. You're loud. You're abrasive. You think you're better than us Mexicanos? Go back to America. <laughs> you would have never thought that, right? Oh, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of American expatriates who live in Mexico, as dangerous as it is in some areas, it is a much more cheaper, affordable way of life, especially when they're retired and they're living on Social Security and their pension. They live in gated communities, and they do live like kings and queens. Meantime, there's a cat fight going on. I know we talked about the need of feral cats in the streets to eliminate the rats, the mice, the rodents. But there's a real cat fight going on against uh, within the uh, ranks of the Democratic Socialists of America. There's a chasm that has developed. There is a fission that has, I would say, emerged. I haven't seen battling like this, a cat fight amongst female politicians. Since think back, think back. And I'm thinking now because Liz Holtzman is actually running in the 10th congressional district, the one that de Blasio bowed out of, that has 14 candidates. Right, Liz Holtzman, 80 years old. But I remember when she was running against Geraldine Ferrara, and they were going back and forth at one another. I mean, like two scorpions in a brandy glass. It was 1992, and as a result of their bitter, bitter campaigning against one another like a catfight, Bobby Abrams, the attorney general, went on to become the U.S. Uh, Senate candidate and lost to Alphonse Sally Boyd D'Amato in the general election. Well, AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocartez, who is considered the leader of the Democratic Socialists of America, the Justice Warriors, has her talents out because there is another Democratic so- Socialist of America, State Senator Jessica Ramos who is challenging her for her throne, who is saying that, hey, AOC, you ran, you breathed our air, but we never see you in any of our neighborhoods. You basically have sold us wolf tickets. I see other congresspeople coming into my district, but the leader of the Democratic Socialists of America that I'm a proud member of, we never see AOC. We've been through some bad crises And there's never a phone call from AOC. I've tried many, many times. This was a colleague uh, of AOC in battle, State Senator Jessica Ramos. She writes, maybe AOC, if you spent more time in your office and with your team, you'd know what's going on. Our district offices are on the same floor in the same building, and I barely, if ever, see you represented in the community. Wow, real catfight. Love it. AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Cortez, uh, who was Sandra Ocasio, who grew up in Terrytown Heights in Westchester, went to Terrytown Heights uh, High School, never was like uh, Jenny on the block, J-Lo, you know, in Castle Hill. No, no, no. And she, she didn't grow up in Parkchester, AOC. Now she's got a real cat fight on her hand from one of her own sisters in solidarity, State Senator Jessica Ramos. They're going to be focusing on a much closer working relationship with the NYPD to aggressively identify 
those folks who have high rates of recidivism, who are committing, you know, it's a relatively small number of relatively well-organized people who are committing most of these robberies. Uh, Wrong cut. Kathy Weil. We'll bury her in the next segment. Uh, We're going to be getting into congestion pricing, uh, National Intern Day, and of course... All of you got screwed by Bruce uh, Springsteen and now his manager, oh yeah, defends the boss. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. I see. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Yeah, y'all love the boss, right? Bruce Springsteen hasn't been heard ever since the prices were posted for his new concert tour. A thousand dollars. Just for regular tickets, $5,000 if you want to sit in the pit. The guy is ripping you off. He won't even come out and explain himself. So he sent his the boss's manager, and he said, hey, tough noogies. It's all about capitalism. Bruce and the E Street Band, they haven't toured since 2016. This guy is no working class hero. Didn't he just sell his musical catalog for $550 million? It's all about taking your money, right? Oh, and let's get down to the average working class, lower middle class, middle class, upper middle class. Enough of that music. I've had it with Bruce Springsteen. He's a rip-off artist like so many of the others. They use you, they abuse you, they chew you up and then spit you out but take all your money. You know, on uh, Monday, the speed cameras are going to be running 24-7-365 in New York City. All five boroughs. On the weekends, round the clock, just to take your money. You know, in New Jersey, they did away with speed cameras and red light cameras in 2014 because they acknowledged it didn't lead to less accidents. It was just a revenue raiser. So another way to pick your pockets. And now they're promoting congestion pricing. You come south of 60th Street. And they're going to pick your pockets big time. And I heard on the 5 o'clock roundtable last night with John Katsimatidis and his crew, Kathy Wilde, who always defends the indefensible, decided to tell all of you lower middle class, middle class, upper middle class people, you're just little people. Just pay your taxes. She sounded like Leona Helmsley. It's a tax on the poor and the middle class uh, the person that lives in Queens, the person who lives in Bronx, the person that lives in Brooklyn wants to come in and see their doctor uh, in Midtown, they can't see him. It's going to cost them a fortune. And they're too afraid now to take the subway. People, it costs you $50 to park. Poor people are not driving into Manhattan. Middle class does. Wow. It's John Katzmatidis, the billionaire who had to straighten out the Leona Helmsley of our lifetime. Kathy Wilde. Pay your taxes. Shut up. Don't come into this city. Use mass transit. Get mugged. Get raped. Get assaulted. Get beaten up. 
53% increase in crime in the subway. You think this woman takes the subways? Of course not. And then, you know what today is, Lou? We got a lot of interns here at WABC. Did they give the announcement that it's National Intern Day? National Intern Day. And all of these interns are working hard. They're developing their craft and skills. They'll be going back to their colleges and seeking work. So we wish them the best of luck. The other day, Emily, though, came on with Greg Kelly. It was her last day. And she became part of the quota system to rip off money in which they use the police department of the city of New York as revenue agents. Oh, speaking of which, I understand you had a run-in with a cop today. I did. What happened? I was 10 minutes away, uh, West 30th Street. Yeah. I was in the taxi. I was at a red light. Police officer was walking by. He came up to the car. He told me to roll down my window. I rolled down my window. He goes, I need to see your license. I asked why. He goes, you don't have your seatbelt on. You're over 16. He proceeded to walk to his car. I was sitting there for about 10 to 15 minutes. He came back, handed me my license. He goes, here's your ticket. How much? $140. She's in a yellow cab. She doesn't have her seatbelt on in the back of the yellow cab. Even the driver, she later said to Greg, wasn't even aware of the regulation. You know why this was done? It's the end of the month. And the sergeants tell the cops, hey, you know, parking ticket, moving violation a day will keep me away from you. They got to meet their quota. A billion dollars is built into the budget a year before. There's always been a quota. Every mayor I've ever known has lied about it. They say it's just performance guidelines. They nailed this woman, Emily. For $140 like they will try at all of you. Well, you need to feel good, as Sid Rosenberg says, every Sunday morning. He actually watches on TV Joel Osteen. We're going to give you an opportunity to attend his performance at uh, Yankee Stadium on Saturday, August 6th. If you're the seventh caller at 1-800-848-9222 that's 1-800-848-9222 you're going to win a pair of tickets to see Joel Osteen his wife live at Yankee Stadium and as our own Sid Rosenberg has said after a, a morning of Michigash on Sunday he actually watches it to feel better and believe that in fact there will be a better day Greg Kelly up next This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.